0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Now here you may think that with only four games on Tuesday night, this won't be an action-packed show, but you would think wrong. Even though this very much in the vein of Bob Eucher in Major League. Eh, nobody's listening Anyway. Next couple of days, I know you guys are going to be out. Wednesday before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day, Friday. These are, along with right around Christmas, these are the, the few days where everybody just disappears. But you know what? It's pep talk time at the front end of this podcast. You know what the pep talk is going to be? I bet you can guess. You can get a significant leg up on your opponents by paying close attention during the days when you know they're not. It's sort of the same general idea as this mega SuperStream uh, pep talk from last week. Which is basically, if we assume... And this is kind of how I handicap NBA games during the regular season. This is, this is like, when I'm making bets, this is typically the kind of stuff that I'm looking at. Motivational angles. If we just assume that at baseline, everyone in your fantasy league is going at 80 to 90%, which, I don't know, you can make up whatever number you want there. How much attention do you call the baseline to, pay, to give to a fantasy league on any given day? Don't take me into consideration, because I'm staring at this crap all day, every day. Think about most people who check in, I don't know, a few times a day, they might have Twitter alerts on for ethos fantasy BK or me or underdog or whatever. What What is that? Call that baseline. Call that energy level X. Let's assume that most people in your league are rolling at energy level X most days. Over the Thanksgiving holiday, over every holiday... That number goes down. I don't know by how much, but I do know that it's non-zero. Of the 11 other teams in your league, a good chunk of them probably taper off how much attention they're paying to basketball by like 50% or more. Some maybe hang out near the baseline that we just established. Some only drop off by a little bit. Almost nobody pays closer attention during the Thanksgiving holiday. Because you all have family things to go to. You can't be watching the news all day every every day. It's going to be really hard to be uh, in front of the TV. Parked in front of the TV on tonight. Because a lot of people are traveling. There's no games tomorrow. So yeah. Uh, Friday is going to be hard to be parked in front of your TV. Over the weekend a lot of folks are doing things out of town. Or they have family in town. So this is your opportunity once again to get the jump on folks. If you're in a league that's first-come, first-served to the waiver wire, this is a stellar opportunity to get the jump on any guys that pop up over the next couple of days. And they will, because we've seen how the NBA injury cycle rolls these days. It is fast, and it is furious. The injury cycle is going buck wild. So this is my pep talk for the day. When everybody else in your league is dialing down their attention... You just keep it dialed to average. I don't need you to go higher than average. We don't have time for that. There's only so many hours in a given week. But you can hold as close to your average output as humanly possible. And that, in and of itself, will give you an advantage. And that's kind of what we talk about like when we're talking about betting on the basketball games. Hey, which of these teams is actually going to be awake for this one? Which of these teams actually cares enough to... Pay attention during, you know, the the team prep or whatever. That's basically where we're at with fantasy right now. From today until Sunday night, everybody's going to tune back in on Monday or Tuesday. From day until Sunday night, you can have a leg up just by, even if it's listening to this podcast or following me on Twitter. Fun little segue there, at Dan Baspris. I am, hello, by the way, Dan Baspris, and this is Fantasy NBA Today. But just stay piped in a little bit a little bit more than the other people in your league, and you'll have a little advantage. Whether it's streaming in your head-to-head league, whether it's getting the jump on free agents, there is value in that. I should have started the show with, let me talk to you a little bit about Thanksgiving break, but I didn't. Also, I'm not going to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving today because I'm going to do it tomorrow. Maybe I should do it today and tomorrow, just in case... A chance that someone... One of you guys is not listening tomorrow that is listening today. So happy Thanksgiving. We will have a show tomorrow. I go every Monday through Friday, regardless of holiday. I set that precedent and now I can't break it. It's become a weird self-fulfilling prophecy. And if I ever want to take a day off from this show, I don't think I can. Not because anybody's holding me to it, but because I'm holding myself to it. I just, I won't. I'm not going to do it. Whatever. Uh let's dive in. Yesterday's stuff was fun. It was a really busy four game Tuesday if you can believe that madness. Uh just like injury stuff was big, players overperforming was big. We got some data points confirmed, we got some new ones. I love it. I love it. I love it when new stuff comes out. And you just never know cuz there's always that kind of ebb and flow to everything. That happens during the season. You go through a week or two where nothing's happening. You go through a week where everybody's popping up. And a lot of it has to do with the injury cycle these days, which is heavy. Anywho, uh, many thank yous to the two or three folks that continue to leave reviews for the podcast. You guys are amazing. We're just going to keep keep pushing. We're going to get to 850. That's the next goal on the board. Brooklyn, uh, lost in Philadelphia. This is... um. From the reality standpoint, this is a tough one, because Brooklyn had Kyrie, KD, and Ben Simmons playing well. Claxton, Royce O'Neal, they had their starting five. Philadelphia had uh, Tobias Harris and P.J. Tucker from their original starting five. No Joel Embiid, no Tyrese Maxey, no James Harden, and uh, Philly won it by nine, despite getting outshot 55 to 43%. Where did this game pivot? Rebounding. Brooklyn could not get a rebound to save their lives. Philadelphia outrebounded rebounded them 49-35. It led to a 19-field goal attempt gap between the two teams. From a fantasy standpoint, this game was a freaking goldmine. All five Nets starters, at least for the moment, appear to be fantasy startable. Nick Claxton being kind of the uh, closest to not, but he had three blocks and he didn't go to the free throw line. And that's kind of all you asked out of Claxton. Please don't have to shoot a free throw. Ben Simmons, he's the buzziest name in fantasy sports right now. That's the ultimate sell moment. Not because I don't think he's going to be decent the rest of the way, but because he's overperforming right now and his name is so buzzy. A few huge ones in a row. Everybody's talking about how he's cleared whatever gaps. Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. This is it, man. This is your opportunity to go see if you can trade him for a top 40. Because there are a lot of people right now that have seen these last three games and are like, oh, Ben Simmons is going to be top 40 the rest of the way. But it doesn't tend to work like that. There's an ebb and a flow. Go get somebody. This is your chance. I'm talking about paying attention these next few days. This is your chance. Over on the other side, I know Paul Reed is going to be the story, and he should be. 31 bench minutes, 19 and 10, with five defensive stats. Basketball Paul, B-ball Paul, they call him. Uh, great ball game. Dramatically outperformed Montrez Harrell, who was a minus 10. Paul Reed was a plus 21 in this game. My question, of course, is, uh, and they've got a ball game coming up tonight so we'll find out soon enough do they consider flip-flopping who plays when bring montrez off the bench let him do some sort of a bench attack type of stuff go score against the team's second unit because charlotte is relatively flimsy defensively anyway throw paul reed in there for rebounding activity around the rim and better defense against a starting unit on the charlotte side they can score a little bit with or without Lamelo, which likely to be without On the Roto Games cap side, it makes Paul Reed a very hard guy to start. If he continues to come off the bench, if Montrez happens to have a better ball game, then Reed only gets, you know, 20, 21 minutes, and this thing flips on his head. Head Head-to-head side, if you don't have to worry about, you know, weekly moves limit, stuff like that, and whether we think Joel Embiid is going to be back on the other side of this uh, little two-day respite, I personally don't. I think he'll probably miss a little bit more time, because for Philly, they're kind of playing the long game a little bit here. No Harden, you know, you don't want to... Put everything on Embiid. He makes more sense on that side. But to me, the ones that you kind of have to go with right now are the replacements for Harden and Maxi, and that's De'Anthony Melton, who's been ridiculous the last couple of ball games in particular. He's finally finding his way. I would even argue the last three, he's been okay. Although the first of those three, way too many turnovers. Last two games, threes, threes, eight steals. Two blocks in two games. Two games. He's having five and a half three-pointers, four steals, and a block. That's not to mention the other stuff he's done. 41 points, nine boards, ten assists. This is DeAnthony Melton. This is why we just keep trying to shove this dude down your throats. And I know a lot of you are like, what is the obsession with freaking DeAnthony Melton? I don't blame you guys, because he's been yanked around for years. And even... For stretches this year, it seems like he's been kind of yanked around a little bit. But I'll tell you, once he settles into a group and understands his role with that group, oh boy, he is something else. He has a unique fantasy game, assists both defensive stats, three-pointers. He rebounds well from the guard spot. I would love that field goal percent to be a bit higher. He doesn't go to the free throw line, really. So yeah, it's not great, but it sort of doesn't matter all that much. But dang. I mean, this is—he is a bona fide monster. Top 25 over the last week, including that game with five turnovers. I mean, you pull that out, and he's a first-rounder. Good lord, my teams are so banged up. But (laughs) we did that pep talk last week. Can't worry about that right now. And then Shake Milton, who doesn't have quite the ceiling of Melton because he's not going to get as many defensive stats. Uh, But he's just going to be out there long enough to get, like we saw here, 14 shots. And if you're on the court for 36, 37 minutes— and you're basically like the second or third option on a team, that'll be enough. You know, He's where Melton, when he gets cooking here, like we just talked about, I mean, he's a top 30, top 40 guy when he's running the show for a team. Uh, Milton's not that. He's more like, you know, s- s- 60 to 90 range. But that's still very useful, games cap or otherwise. Let's move along. Sacramento beat Memphis on the road. The Kings, man. Oh my goodness, is De'Aaron Fox is on some kind of heater these days. This is one of the best months for fantasy that I've seen in a long time. Now, admittedly, you know, there are guys in this league at, scoring 35, 36 points a game, which, that's a little nuts. And I know De'Aaron Fox is only, quotation marks, on 26, but he's at 26, 5, and six and a half, two threes. two threes, one and a half steals per game. That's stuff that he's always done. He's always been able to score. He's always been able to get some assists. He's been able to get steals, hit some threes. The thing that's really different for Fox right now, his free throws are at 84 and percent. And his field goal percent is at 56, which of course does beg the question, where is this actually headed? Could he be taking a small step forward? Yeah. I don't see why not. Could he be taking this size step forward? That seems a bit unlikely. Because if you compare what's happening right now to De'Aaron's career marks, the best field goal percent season of his career was 48%. The best three-point shooting season of his career was 37%, but he's only taking 2.9. That was his sophomore year in the league. So maybe we call the three-point... Deal just sort of an upward anomaly, whatever. Take it or leave it. He hit five out of eight yesterday. His best free throw shooting year was last year at 75%. Do we really believe, and this is, again, not me trying to be a downer, just trying to put a few things into perspective. Do we really believe that Fox has increased his field goal percent by eight over his expected number, his three-point percentage by eight, over his career mark, his free throw number by 11 over his career mark, and by 9.5 over his best previous year. Do we believe all of those things can happen at the same time? We saw something semi-similar with Brandon Ingram, where he fixed, like, three stats all at once. It's pretty uncommon. I can't remember any other examples where it happened. And I'm inclined to say that probably not. Is he on a ridiculous heater? He sure as hell is right now. He is on an absurd run, and, you know, you roll with it. But at the same time, we're talking about a dude who's sitting near the turn right now on percentages that are largely unsustainable, especially when you consider the fact that his number of shots per game right now is actually the lowest in three years because he has some better players around him this season. Kevin Herter's playing really well. They've got Demonis Sabonis. Barnes is starting to play a little bit better. Credit there. He doesn't need to take 19 shots a game. He's at 17 and a half. His minutes are actually down a tiny bit as well. So they're kind of keeping that a little in check. Although some of that was uh, the nine-minute game in Charlotte where I think he got hurt. Uh, Otherwise, he has been a bit closer to his more recent number of 35. He's probably going to settle maybe like the 34 number. Regardless... 55%, as much as what he's done is so impressive, is not sustainable. All that to say, though, people are looking at it now. I mean, we're 15 games in for him. We're a month into the season. It's a believable ranking to a certain degree. You might be able to get someone ranked pretty damn similar to Fox in a straight up trade, like a Devin Booker, who's three slots behind him in overall ranking. But when you look at Booker's numbers, Those are where we expected. He's like right on his percentages where you'd handicap. There isn't a weird regression coming for Devin Booker. He's where he belongs. Not that you'd ever trade anyone for Kyrie Irving right now, but he's kind of where he belongs in that same area. Jimmy Butler always banged up. He's basically where he belongs. I wouldn't trade him for Jimmy Butler because you would be losing too many games to injury. But as you look around here... DeJounte Murray is an interesting potential target. That's in that range. You're probably not going to be able to get Cat, even though he is behind Fox right now, but Cat probably about where you'd expect him to end up this year. So think about what you can get for him. I don't know that I would go much farther down the board than that, because, look, let's say we we do adjust Fox's numbers back down. Let's take his percentages a bit closer to his career mark. Yeah, he falls out of the second round, but he's going to probably end up at where he was drafted, or maybe even a little bit better for the first time, I think, in his career. He's always been an overdraft guy because people ignore percentages. Specifically free throws and turnovers, which is not a percentage, but... Think about what you could get in there. There are a lot of really interesting names ranked between, you know, 12 and 30. And Fox would get you a lot of them. I don't I don't think I'd want all of them, but... I'd certainly take a few. Kevin Herter, he's just chugging along. Harrison Barnes, he's chugging along these days. His efficiency's been nuts lately, so just ride that one as long as it'll go. Keegan Murray is going to be someone who brings up a whole host of questions, and he's number 167, friends. 167. I don't know how many times i got to say it. I'm shouting into the void at this point. Don't. Draft rookies. I will soften my stance on rookie big men. Were there even any rookie big men taken near the top of the draft? Uh yeah, Chet Holmgren, and then he immediately got hurt. Where are the rookies this year? Paulo Bancaro is ninety eight, and I believe he's the top one. Just inside the top one hundred. He's had huge popcorn numbers, so don't get me wrong. A lot of what he's done has been super cool. Uh, But his free throws are almost punt level. Um, And the field goal percent is a slight negative as well. Paolo is working to this point. I guess we can just leave it at that. He's been working. But Jabari Smith Jr., 176. Keegan Murray, 167. Jaden Ivey's been pretty cool for Detroit, but... He's not in there either, folks. 180. Percentages. Percentages. They always crush these guys. By the way, of all those names, Jabari Smith Jr. feels like he's got the quickest path back to value because right now he's a punt field goal guy, and everything else is actually kind of good. Good free throw number, good threes, good rebounds, good blocks. He's got the outline of something that could work out. What do you do with Keegan Murray? I guess is the next question. I don't want to get too far sidetracked. If you have him... It means you probably were either not listening to me on draft day or you bought low, which I'm totally fine with if you were able to scoop him up for you know a hot streamer or whatever. Um and in that's the case, you probably hang on. I think if you dropped Keegan Murray, somebody else would probably bring him would probably pick him up cuz he does have a big powerful name and like we've seen it the fantasy outline is also not that terrible for him. I would expect his field goal percent to trend up. Free throw percent is not that bad right now, but that could also slightly improve. Scoring, rebounding, I hope, will get a little bit better, although it's tough to say with Sabonis on that team. And then, you know, steals and blocks are kind of feeling out a little bit. But, I mean, this is the path. It's the same thing every year. Rookies are bad for the first three months of the season. Sometimes it's one and a half months. Sometimes it's four and a half months. It's about three. That's the mean. They get better. After the year turns. And every year we go through the same damn process. I see folks on the internet screaming about the, the upside of these dudes. I mean, I, I can't sit on a guy like that the whole year. They're doing more harm than good. In any event, where's your second rant of the day? I'm filled with rants today. Stop overdrafting rookies, people. That's the, like, number one tenet of this broadcast. And still... You all come to me with your rookies. What do I do with this rookie, Dan? Well, what the hell? I'm going to get to the point where if someone comes to me with a rook after I said don't do it like 80 times, I'm just going to be like, I can't help you. Nah, I'm not going to do that. I'll still try. Wow, look at JJJ. Five more blocks. Holy crap. He came back quicker than anybody expected and he is just dunking on people. John Conchar, terrific replacement for Desmond Bain. I thought, again, I thought he would be real close to 12-team value. Remember, I used the word nuzzling up against it, but he has been well beyond that. So he's in there as a stream. John ja Morant made a quick return. He was supposed to be week-to-week week with an ankle sprain, and he came back in one game. Tyus Jones, of course, well, he played 27 minutes in this one, which, like, if you accidentally still had him off the John ja Morant stream, at least he kind of helped, actually, in this ball game. But you can move on from Tyus. 27 is about the max you'll see from him and he won't be leading the charge when he's in there, which, again, I mean, that's the that's what you'd want out of a point guard pickup. Detroit beat Denver in a little bit of an ugly one. Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic came back from COVID. Bones tried to play through a non-COVID illness, and he was terrible. Jamal Murray couldn't get his shots to drop. He looked like somebody that's been kind of sucking wind the last week. Jokic... I tell you what, man, basketball's too easy for Nikola Jokic. he screwed his way out of this game at the free throw line, but nearly a triple-double, a big one too. And it wasn't enough because Denver committed 17 turnovers, missed a boatload of free throws, and let Detroit, of all teams, shoot 51%. But as far as fantasy stuff goes... I think you can slide back into a, obviously you start Jokic, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. Those guys are are pretty easy calls. KCP, to me, goes back to being a start. He's so much better when Jokic and Jamal are getting him open looks. Bones, I believe, is actually still a start once he's healthy. He had kind of come into his own. Aaron Gordon has fallen off. There was like a one show, there was like one episode I came on this and I was like, oh, look, Aaron Gordon, he's around number 90. But he always tapers off, whether it's percentages or something else. Somehow, that dude finds his way outside the top 100 almost every time. I don't know how he does it. He's shooting 59% from the field, and still he can't get inside the top 100. So, yeah, not that excited about Aaron Gordon. And then with Bruce Brown, he was still decent enough in this one, but you know Jamal Murray probably sits on the back-to-back, so perhaps you get one more game out of Bruce here, especially if Bones is out also. But once those guys are back in there, Bruce Brown stream expires. Killian Hayes had a Killian Hayesian game. Nine points, nine assists, three out of nine shooting. Like a baseball stuff. Lots of nines in there. Uh, four turnovers, though. Didn't get his defensive stats. I mean, this is the thing. He's a very low upside stream. Everybody got super excited about Killian Hayes when Cade went down. And I said it again. Like, this is a super stream guy. But he's like, he's like a one star out of three or four. It's just not an exciting one. There's minimal upside there. I actually had someone, and this is not to call out any names. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. But I did someone have, I think in our forums maybe, say like, what about Killian Hayes and his three-pointers? I'm like, whoa. Okay, so dude hit a few against the Lakers, but surely we're not talking about the same Killian Hayes who's averaging 0.8 of them on the year and is like a 23% three-point shooter. I think he's up to thirty now after i had that game against the Lakers, it, it bumped him up a little bit. But yeah, he I mean he's like a one and a little maybe over that threes as a starter, if that. Steals and assists. That's all you're looking for. He's Alfred Payton two And Peyton would actually get it going every once in a while. Uh I'm fine with you guys continuing to stream Killian Hayes. I just think that like he's one of my least favorite super streamers these days. What I'd love to see out of Detroit is Jalen Duran getting more time, and he sort of did in this one, but he didn't really do much with it because, you know, who's the center on the other side? Yeah, reminder there. Marvin Bagley was not in foul trouble, and still those guys pretty much split the minutes down the middle. If Duran's getting 24 or more minutes nightly with Isaiah Stewart out, he would be streamable. Marvin Bagley in 24 minutes is not enough. And then Alec Burks had another good game, but he only played 20 and a half minutes in this one, so yeah, you can leave that on the board as well. And finally, the Lakers were in Phoenix to take on the Suns, and oh my god, what a line for Anthony Davis. Holy crap. 37-21. Five steals and five blocks. They lost because... A.D. got help from Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker, and then the rest of the Lakers were just dog-do. Woof. Patrick Beverly got ejected, shoved DeAndre Ayton, who was standing over Austin Reeves' carcass on the ground. It was a a thing that could have escalated more than it did. It was almost like both sides realized that they had done something a little bit dumb, and it de-escalated quickly, and then Bev got ejected, and everybody moved on with their day. Uh, As far as fantasy stuff goes in this one, Cam Payne, if you're looking at this ball game and wondering what the hell happened, he just didn't have it. He missed a bunch of runners, he missed some layups, he made some bad passes. He still had an okay enough line, but it hurt you in field goal percent, hurt you in turnovers here. Dwayne Washington was playing better than Payne in this game, so he ended up chewing up a few extra minutes. That won't happen most ballgames. Uh, Tory Craig, three steals and two blocks as well as two three-pointers. He continues to be a just-above-the-line streamer. I keep thinking the wheels are going to come off with that one because consistency-wise, he really has never been consistent before this, but you know, the, the situation in Phoenix is much better for him to just go hit a couple of open threes and make hustle plays, go get some steals and blocks and call it a day, and that's been enough here with Cam Johnson out, but Um, yeah, I mean, that's like, if you're comparing him to say Killian Hayes, you're, you're really talking stats at that point. Craig will get you more threes and boards and blocks. Hayes will get you more assists. They both get you some steals. Those are the, uh, Craig's been better than Hayes as far as ranking goes, largely because he hasn't hurt you in percentages or turnovers, but they're sort of similar in their, their upside is limited by how much they actually either will do with Craig or can do with Hayes, but he's, he's streamable for now. It continues. Mikael Bridges still rumbling along. He was the guy, man. Bridges hit so many big threes in this game that just kept the Lakers at bay. That was the ball game. Phoenix hit 16 threes. Lakers hit four. Phoenix couldn't get themselves to the foul line to save their lives. Lakers took 35 free throws, although it was mostly AD. Man alive. I've been really enjoying watching Austin Reeves excel here, I wonder what the Lakers do when LeBron comes back. If I was making the call, and I'm not, LeBron comes back, Pat Beverly's my guy who's going to the bench, because he really hasn't been able to do it for the Lakers so far. I don't know who that moves to point guard. I guess it's like, I guess it's Reeves guarding the point guard on the other team. Or Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown on the wing just for defense. You could also move Brown to the bench if you wanted to. But I would really try hard to keep Reeves in the starting unit. He's been one of the team's better three-point shooters. He's one of the better th- free-throw shooters in the NBA. His defense is solid. If Reeves is the guy they moved to the bench, then I think the Lakers are tanking. Because like, that's the only possible explanation for him not staying in the starting lineup. Night-to-night, he tends to be one of their best plus-minus guys. And it was that case again here. He was a minus-two in a game they lost by ten. Walker was a minus one. AD was a minus three. It was the Schroeder who was 0 for 6. Troy Brown was 0 for 5. I mean, someone's got to make a freaking shot on this team. I know that they're not good three-point shooters, but good, good grief. Oh, my God. Ah, well, they were competitive. As a Laker fan, that's sort of all you hope for in a game against a, a pretty good team in Phoenix. Who Look, Phoenix is good even without Chris Paul. Or Cam Johnson. But, I mean, look, yeah, you know, Chris Paul's the other one. Oh, by the way, a uh, note on the Lakers. LeBron is hoping to be back on Friday. That's the word. The latest word is that that's his target date. He thinks he's really close with a couple days here to rest. That's why I brought up the who goes to the bench thing. I, please don't move Austin Reeves to the bench. Please look at what's been happening of late. He's been one of your best players. Leave Russ on the bench, Obviously. Makes way more sense when LeBron is back. Russ probably should have started. As bad as he looks at times, he... I mean, Lakers opened up the third quarter so, so horrendously. Uh, We'll see, I guess. I mean, again, they're drifting over to the reality side of things. When LeBron comes back, Austin Reeves probably not streamable anymore. Lonnie Walker becomes a bit more, like, kind of fringe streamer. And then with Russ, who's... We don't like his fantasy game anyway, but with everybody hurt for a couple of days or sick for a couple of days, he was kind of a must-start guy. I don't know that he is anymore. He's going to do something foolish night to night, and you just hope it's only like one something foolish. I was thinking about having a discussion towards the end of this podcast on... A couple of players, but I think I'd actually rather take that over to social. Keep it short, day before Thanksgiving. Big Wednesday coming up tonight. Pay attention, people. You can get that big leg up on your competition. A couple of requests for you at the end of the show. Please, if you didn't do it yesterday, drop that five-star review on the podcast. Using the podcast app on your mobile device, search for Fantasy NBA today and click on the show title and then scroll down. It's super weird to find. I know but I really, really appreciate those of you that are going out and doing that for me right now. You guys are the best. Uh, also, shout out to our partners. I'm not going to do full reads today because, again, today I give thanks for not doing full reads for partners. Uh, ExpressVPN.com slash HoopBall is the link if you want to get a bonus three months on your VPN account, which is a really good thing to have in the modern day. Anybody tracking all your internet activity. Uh, manscaped.com, promo code Ethos20, 20% off free shipping, and Thrive fantasy.com promo code ethos to get that deposit match bonus let you get, get you guys rolling over there uh use our dfs team to help you they'll happy to help you just ping them on twitter i'll point you to them follow me and then i'll point you to them at dan Vespers on twitter ethos fantasy bk and SportsEthos.com. also hey you know what i would ask you guys to do give our fantasy pass a try And pop into the Discord. That alone is worth it. It's $5.99 a month, and with the promo code BOGO on our website, B-O-G-O, you can get the second month free. So it ends up being just $3 a month for the first two months on the Fantasy Pass. Come on, check it out. Please check it out. I really want you guys to see it. I think you're going to love it, and I feel quite confident that you just let that thing roll for the rest of the season at that point. That's at SportsEthos.com. You click on the Premium tab and choose Get Premium. And uh, that's where you can find that. All right, enjoy the giant Wednesday. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow morning before Thanksgiving. But if you're not listening tomorrow, have a lovely, lovely Thanksgiving. A happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your time with friends and family. Hugs and kisses to all. I am Dan Vasperis for Fantasy NBA Today. Talk to you tomorrow.